Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's not cool. We're here to talk about this past week in wrestling. So we're going to talk about the WWE, and nothing happened last Friday, so we're going to talk about Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT. And that's it. Nothing else happened. Everything's fine. I'm your host, Owen, and we are streaming live over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. So if you're in the live audience, send in your comments and your questions, and I'll get to them as I deem fit. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Heel Turn. It's been a while, but finally back in the studio. It's it's nice. It's been a while. Uh, if, if you were wondering where the live version of the show was last week... Number one, you should listen to the podcast version, but feeling a bit under the weather. Uh, if you couldn't tell by my voice, it was brutal. But we're back. The studio's still here. And we are ready to talk about wrestling. But before that, uh, what's been going on with me with gaming and stuff? Well, this is Wednesday, so PAX East badges went on sale. So if you don't have your PAX East badges, and you're listening to this, it's too late. You've already screwed up. But if you if you got them, then, you know, let me know, and we'll probably hang out in Boston. Despite the fact I don't like Boston at all. But I do it to hang out with friends, and to put on a wrestling show with League of Heels. So, it's not all bad. The good news is that League of Heels is doing PAX Unplugged at the end of this month, which is in Philadelphia, which is a good city. So, not, not, not it works out. At least I'm not going over to Seattle. That's way too far for a PAX. We're Australia, which League of Heels did a show there once, and I think they learned their lesson. And by that, I mean we'll probably be back there eventually. It's just a really long trip. And getting in in 64 that works in Australia is not the easiest thing in the world. But it's fine. Uh, If you're not attending PAX Unplugged, a reminder that uh, Everyone Can Wrestle, which is the name of the show, will be streaming on Twitch, so keep an eye on the PAX uh, channels. I believe it's going to be PAX 2 on uh, Sunday, December 2nd, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. I'll I'll be there doing wrestling things, and we'll have some actual professional wrestlers. So I just wanted to get that plug in real fast at the top of the show. But, enough of the rambling. It's time to move on and talk about actual wrestling. So, uh, let's do the, uh, the wrestling news. Um, hmm, I'm looking at these headlines, and they're all from something that happened on Friday, like last Friday, I'm not sure what happened, but apparently there was a show of some sort by the WWE, I I have no idea what happened, but Triple H got injured at whatever this was. Uh, yeah, he, uh, tore his pectoral muscle, and it's real fucking bad. If you checked out his Instagram, his, like, whole pec and, like, arm are, like, black, essentially. It's real gross. Uh, he had surgery on it yesterday, on Tuesday, and now he's recovering, and the timetable for his return is, I don't know, up in the air. Which is not great, because he was supposed to have a major match at WrestleMania against Batista. Because he's been, like, clamoring for this big match one more time with Triple H. And now it's not happening. So... Does Batista still get on WrestleMania? 
Does he fight someone else like a Randy Orton, which was so exciting the last time? Not sure. But, yeah, we'll, we'll keep uh, updated on this to see how Triple H is doing. This is a major blow, though. At least it won't, like, interfere with him running NXT and all that, but... Yeah, a lot of big plans set up for him. Batista's a pretty big get. He's not going to be busy with Marvel because, you know, that ship sailed with James Gunn. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. Don't know how he hurt himself. Must have just been, like, lifting weights on Friday. Also, uh, apparently, let me see if I get this name right, Hulk Hogan uh, showed up in the WWE, I don't know when or where, but apparently he's back in the WWE and he appeared on a camera somewhere last week, and no thanks, I like Hulk Hogan the character. I don't like Hulk Hogan the person, and he does not deserve any forgiveness right now, because he's not actually sorry. He said some real bad things, and I don't believe he, I just believe that's how he is. He's an old white guy, and it's, oof. So yeah, Triple H, I mean, Hulk Hogan, stay away. Don't. Don't show up in the United States at a show. You're not going to get a good reaction. Of course you got a good reaction wherever you were. In some undisclosed location last week. But no. We don't We don't need that. Especially not the way the world is right now. We don't need Hulk Hogan showing up. And getting a payday. For saying his catchphrases. At least he's not wrestling, but still. He hasn't paid his dues. For what he did, and he's not actually sorry, so. I don't care. Don't, don't need Hulk Hogan. Twitter had a real fun time with him when he showed up, though. Uh, lots of nopes, lots of he's a racist. Accurate. Uh, but, yeah, it was overwhelmingly negative, and they promoted that he was trending on Twitter. But for the wrong reasons. Good job. Good job, WWE. And uh, that's all I got for uh, news. Unless anyone in the chat has something that I uh, didn't cover. If you're wondering about stuff like the Wrestle Kingdom uh, getting, I guess, three or four matches announced this week. Uh, there's another podcast for that. Which I will hopefully be recording soon. Not sure if it's going to be this week, but possibly next week. Get all Trace back in here and uh, talk about Power Struggle and where things are heading into Wrestle Kingdom. Because it's quickly approaching. It's only a couple months away. About two months, uh, less than two months away, even. Wrestle Kingdom should be very exciting. Hopefully, hopefully going to get over there to Tokyo for one of these shows one day. Looking into it. Sure, it'll be great to have some coverage on the scene. But yeah, that's, uh, that's it for news. Let's move on to talk about the weekly television. And let me just tell you off uh, right off the bat... Raw was brutal. I tried to watch it. I gave it my best effort. I really tried. It just... It just wore me down. Even an hour into it, I just couldn't do it. Just a bunch of garbage. But I'll salvage some of the things that happened on the show and discuss them. The first being... uh. Brock Lesnar is the Universal Champion again. Whoops. Well, as we know, Roman Reigns had to relinquish the belt because of his battle with leukemia, which they keep trying to bring up in storylines with the Shield stuff, and 
Don't do that. Not good. Don't. No. Please. Don't. But, yeah, uh, they had Braun Strowman fight Brock Lesnar at some point last week for the vacant title. And apparently Baron Corbin attacked Braun before the match and helped Brock win the belt because reasons? Not really clear what's going on here and why this happened, but now... Brock's got the belt, so he can fuck off and show up, I guess, at Survivor Series, and then not show up again until the Rumble. As he does. And now we've got a Braun Strowman-Baron Corbin feud. Despite the fact we already have a Baron Corbin-Kurt Angle feud. I I don't know what's happening here. I, they're not treating Braun right. They should have just gave him the damn belt. Like, I get it, you, it was a small stage for him to win the belt, but still, we don't need to wait until, like, the Rumble or WrestleMania, because you're not going to. You're going to get Brock, and you're going to put him in the stupid WrestleMania card, and pay him a bunch of money, so he can do that, and his UFC bullshit. And I get it, but I also don't like it. And now I don't know where you take Braun from this point. Like, they announced that uh, he's going to be on the Survivor Series men's team with uh, Baron Corbin. Because reasons? But after that, I don't know what you do with him. Like, what do you do with him in December? Like, either he's going to get a title shot at the Rumble, or he's going to be in the Rumble itself. And I don't expect him to win it. Because that'd be too nice of a thing. And then we set up, oh, we get Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar again at WrestleMania. And who wants that? And I just don't have faith in them actually, you know, letting Braun win the belt on the big stage against Brock. If they wouldn't even let Roman Reigns do it. So yeah, also in this opening segment, apparently Alexa Bliss is the captain of the uh, Raw Women's team. So, guess that means she's going to be cleared to wrestle, or they're going to just do some bullshit to get around it. And she's taking her sweet time trying to evaluate people, and... Yo, Survivor Series is soon. You should probably hurry up and just make a team. And also, apparently... Kurt Angle wanted to be the captain of the Raw team, and he had to fight for it against Drew McIntyre in the main event of Raw, and Drew won. So, is Drew the captain? Is Baron Corbin the captain? I don't think they made it very clear. I I don't know what's going on with this episode of Raw this week. Again, I tried to watch it. Now I'm just trying to gather the pieces from what I can gather from the show and figure out what's going on, and I'm still confused. Also, this was all taped in the UK, so it was all tape delay, so it made it even less exciting. Like, early in the day, we found out that the Raw tag titles changed hands. And if you check Twitter, you saw, hey, it was AOP. AOP beat Seth Rollins in a handicap match because... Of course, I had to get the belt off of Rollins and Ambrose, since one, Rollins has a, another match at Survivor Series, and two, why would Rollins and Ambrose partner up with all the bullshit going on with those two? So AOP won the belts in very unimpressive fashion, then Ambrose showed up, and we're, I guess we're going to put that feud on hold because we got to deal with the Survivor Series champion versus champion stuff. And Rollins just so happens to hold the Intercontinental title still. So, I I guess the Nakamura-Rollins match is going to be good. But it does put the Ambrose stuff on hold for a bit. I guess we'll get some kind of match at TLC. 
And then I wrote here, nothing else on Raw mattered. And yep, it's about right. Ronda Rousey cut a promo, but we'll talk about that. Then we get to SmackDown. Which we should probably do, because SmackDown was actually a good show that set up things for Survivor Series in a nice way. So, uh, first things first, they were building up that World Cup tournament for weeks. And, uh, out of the eight men in it, none of them won because The Miz got injured in the main event. Which, by the way, was a heel versus heel finals, and what? So Miz got injured, and Shane stepped in and filled in and won in like two minutes. So, out of all this, Shane McMahon is the best in the world and got the trophy. And here's the thing. This has nothing to do with all the controversy around... I'm going to drop the bit and just mention this was at Crown Jewel last week. And there's not, none of the controversy around the show factored into Shane winning the the World Cup and it being like a fuck you or anything like that. This was the plan. This was always the plan. Because it sets up a storyline for brand supremacy at Survivor Series. And... Stephanie's apparently going to address it next week on Raw, and who cares? This cup is stupid, and it's going to disappear like the... Did Braun Strowman win a trophy along with the belt? Pretty sure he did. We haven't seen that green belt since the Greatest Royal Rumble, so... It doesn't really matter. But they're, they're pretending to make it matter. So Shane's the best in the world. You would think this would be a heel turn, but he was being humble about it on SmackDown and saying, I did it for the brand, and I'm not really the best in the world. The crowd chanted CM Punk, because of course they did. And I can't blame him. I mean, if you're going to keep talking about the best in the world, what else are you going to think of? I mean, besides Chris Jericho, but... CM Punk's obviously the choice for a chant, if you're going to do that. So, they just walked into that. And, uh, yep. Chains, Chains won that. They're going to address it. But, they did make... Uh, he did decide to name the captain of the men's Survivor Series elimination team for for SmackDown, and it was Danny Bryan, his former GM, which makes sense. Except The Miz came out and claimed that two-thirds of that trophy that means nothing is his, which can't fault him. He won the first two matches, so technically he is two-thirds the best in the world. Can't argue that. So Shane also makes him captain. So we have co-captains of The Miz and Danny Bryan. And the first one that they put on their team is Shane McMahon. And it makes sense. Because, you know, he is the best in the world. It's great that uh, The Miz trying to pander to well, he kiss his ass by doing it. And then Danny Bryan's like, no. I also agree. You should be on the team. So Shane is on the team. Uh, oh, joy. And then... Bryan suggests that Rey Mysterio should be on the team. And The Miz is not a fan of this. And he says, well, how about... We see how he does against Andrade Cianamis tonight. And see if he impresses. Which is weird, because wouldn't you think they would have it be the winner gets on the team, which they did end up doing later. But they should have at least given Almas a shot to make it on the team. And they didn't. 
But it was a really good match because, I mean, it's Andrade Cien Almas. He's the best kept secret of SmackDown. Eat your heart out, Buddy Murphy. And when it comes to these big matches, he delivers. He never wins, but he delivers. And he did once again with Ray. Ray's been on a tear since coming back to the WWE. And he had a great match with Dalmas. Ended up uh, picking up the win. Mysterio ended up picking up the win. And uh, now he's on the team. So the team is Brian, Miz, Shane, Mysterio. And to figure out the fifth and final member, because, you know, it's in a, it's a, in about a week from Sunday, so we should probably hurry up and start booking this stuff. Each of them picked a member of the SmackDown roster, and they fought in the main event to get that spot. Which was... Jeff Hardy for Danny Bryan and Samoa Joe for The Miz. And what was great was that uh, they both proposed this and uh, and well, Bryan proposed it and The Miz liked the idea and it was awkward and weird and they're kind of getting along except that they weren't by the end of the show because they were both on commentary Samoa Joe picked up the win. Because of course he did. And we had Samoa Joe and Brian go into fisticuffs because hey, remember he got beaten up last week at the end of SmackDown so that Samoa Joe could take his spot at the show that Brian didn't want to go to. And then Miz tried to interfere and Brian beat the crap out of him too. But yeah, this uh, SmackDown team doing great. At least three of the people all hate each other and are fighting. What could possibly go wrong? Brian even accidentally threw, did like a uh, a judo throw to Shane McMahon. So now there's beef there too. Everyone but Rey Mysterio is having issues with people. Uh, wait, that's not true because Mysterio and the Miz have problems. Welp. This men's team better figure something out next week, because we're getting real close to Survivor Series. But aside from that, which they actually, you know, they didn't even, I don't think they even mentioned this on Raw. They're having the tag team uh, Survivor Series elimination match, which is 10 on 10. I believe last year it worked that if a member of a team got eliminated, the whole team the whole tag team got eliminated. So, that's going to be a clusterfuck. But we had the Usos versus the New Day having a match to determine who the captain is. And this was an excellent match because it's the Usos versus the New Day. Shocking, I know. Every time they go in the ring, they, have, they put on a hell of a match. And they did again here. But, the Usos won. Despite the fact that the New Day are, like, the big push team. Let's not forget that the Usos picked up two wins over AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan recently. So, a little bit like of a sleeper, but they have been making some waves on SmackDown. So, we have the Usos as the captains, and right after the match... Because they respect the New Day, ask them to be on the, on the team. Also, because the fact is, I don't know where they're going to five, find five teams on these brands to be in this match. Let's see if I can figure this out. Alright, so, we got the New Day, we got the Usos. Sanity? It can't be the bar, because the bar is in the Champions versus champions. Um, do you bring? Are the colognes a thing? Can the colognes do it? Um, 
Who else is a tag team? I'm trying to think. The clone? Oh, Gallows and Anderson. Okay, that's five SmackDown teams. For Raw, it would be uh, the B team. Um, Titus Worldwide is not Titus Worldwide is not a thing anymore, so it's not them. Um, the Ascension. Uh, Fandango is not clear, so it's not them. Uh, Keith Slater and Rhino. Uh, the Revival. And what's fifth team? Fifth team on Raw. Chat's not helping me out here either, so that's not good. Uh, fifth team on Raw. There's got to be another team. There's got to be another team. It's it can't be Rollins and Ambrose. They're not a thing anymore. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who a fifth team on Raw would be. I'm sure someone's yelling at the at their podcast, but I can't think of another team. Damn. Is, would it be Lashley and Leo Rush? At that point, that doesn't seem right. Oh wait, the Lucha House Party. They just brought them in. For some reason. I'm guessing for this. There you go, there's five teams for Raw. Boy, they're really going to scrape the bottom of the barrel for that one. Uh, what else do we have on SmackDown? Oh, we have one more important thing. It's that uh, Becky Lynch is the best person on the entire WWE roster, men or women. Don't at me. You, there's nothing you can say to change my mind. She is the man as her shirt says, and she took Rhonda to school on how to cut a promo this week. Oh boy, it was excellent, because apparently they showed clips of Rhonda's promo, which was just her meandering, listening, listing all the things that Becky did to get where she is, and just like, eh, they don't matter, because I'm Rhonda Rousey, and I'm big and tough, and I fought in UFC. And I went in the Olympics. And, you know, what did Becky do? She went to clown college. And she worked her ass off to get to the WWE. Yeah, so Becky's like, yeah, screw you. I don't give a shit. I'm the champ. I'm the actual true champ. Uh, You can try to downplay all my accomplishments, but I shouldn't have been in the main event. I shouldn't be the top star on SmackDown, but I am. And I don't care about your respect. I want your arm and I'm going to break it. Becky's the best. It's great. And unlike Ronda, after she cut her promo, she challenged anyone to a fight. Because she's the champ. And in a really like legitimate surprise, Sandy showed up with their final member finally making their main roster debut in Nikki Cross. What's interesting is that they kept calling her the Twisted Sister of NXT, which makes me wonder they're not they're not just having her up for because they're in the UK, right? Like this should be her main roster debut. Right? Here, let me check real fast. Let me check, see if they updated her on the WWE website to say that she is on SmackDown now. Live fact-checking on the podcast. Everyone loves it. I bet you they didn't update it. Let's see. She's not even listed. What's up with that? But do they only listen to main roster people on their stupid website? I said, I gotta search it. Okay. Nikki Cross. Go. 
And as the WWE website loads, uh, yeah. Nikki Cross made her, uh, nope, it's, it still says she's on NXT, so. Hopefully that gets updated, she's actually, should be on SmackDown, because the, uh, well, I guess they already announced the members of the SmackDown, uh, women's team, which are gonna be Sonya Deville, Asuka, Naomi, it's supposed to be Charlotte, and, uh, someone else, but it doesn't matter. That stuff's weird. Mandy's trying to take Charlotte's spot. Charlotte's being all mopey. We'll see how that goes. I'm betting Charlotte comes back and takes control as the leader. Oh, Asuka is also on the team. That's the other one, I think, if I didn't already say it. I didn't write down because it doesn't really, it's not really that important because Becky is the most important woman in all WWE right now. And Nikki had a excellent match with uh, with Becky, but of course she lost because Becky's the champ. So yeah, it was an excellent SmackDown. They did a good job building up to Survivor Series. They announced at least two of the teams, the men's and the women's, and uh, starting to build the foundation for the the tag teams, which I guess they'll. Just wrap up next week. But yeah. Solid episode of SmackDown this week. Don't know what's going on with Raw. Having Elias and Dolph Ziggler wrestle. Why? Why? Let's talk about NXT though. Because NXT happened tonight. And let's get a full... Review slash recap of what happened. So, off the top of the show, Vic Joseph opens with uh, saying, War Games is just over a week away, and oh god, you're right. We just had Evolution and whatever the fuck Crown Jewel was, and we've only had two weeks until the next pay-per-view, which is a big one, Survivor Series. Used to be one of the big four. So, yeah. War Games and Survivor Series are... We're going to have our predictions next week, apparently. Wow. Then we have the first match of the evening. It's Heavy Machinery versus the Forgotten Sons. uh, Represented by Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler. Jackson uh, Riker is at at ringside. So, uh, Cutler has a mask on because, uh, you got his nose broken. Yikes. Cool look, I guess. But, you know, it's an important mask because, ow. So, Tucker Knight, uh, does some amateur wrestling to kick off the match with the Cutler. While Otis is on the apron going, oh yeah! And that that is totally my jam. I am all... For this team. I love Heavy Machinery, if you don't know. These two are so weird, and actually, like, both really good in the ring. Which I I note later in this. Uh, Otis is tagged in and does the Caterpillar. Again, this team's great and super entertaining. Uh, Blake keeps a hold of Otis's wrist as he, uh, he tags in Cutler. And then what he does is he, like, rolls to the outside while still holding the wrist so that Otis can't get away and is just laid out on the ground for Cutler to stomp on him. And that was a cool kind of tag team move to make sure that Otis stayed in control or stayed in their control and in their corner and couldn't run off to get a tag. It was nice. I I liked that. Some innovation going on. Uh, finally, they get a hot tag in to Tucker Knight, and, uh, yeah, he's really underrated. He did the amateur stuff early in the match, and now, and then he's, like, there's a really good fired-up spot here. Tucker Knight is, like, legitimately a really good wrestler. Even though, you know, Otis is the star. 
The Tucker's no slouch. Uh, after the you know the hot tag, uh, the Forgotten Sons uh, double team night, but despite their best efforts, he won't stay down for three. Then a cool spot happens where Cutler uh, superplexes Knight into the center of the ring, and off another turnbuckle, uh, Cutler hits a frog splash. Uh, but as he has him pinned, Otis breaks up the count at two and three quarters, and yeah. That's where they start going to a flurry of, you know, devastating moves, and the other team's interfering and throwing them off to prevent them from, you know, fully executing them and getting the win. And we get the the finish with the Otis getting the win with a pop-up front slam. So, didn't no finisher necessary. Heavy machinery are your winners as it should be. These two are excellent and one of my favorite teams in NXT. Starting to think I like them more than Player 1 and Player 2, though I do like them. And Mustache Mountain ran off to NXT UK. So they could come back, I guess. But we'll have to see. We get an interview with uh, Candice LeRae outside, you know, with the weird reporters holding up their iPhones. And uh, she does not want to answer questions. Instead, she has questions for Nikki Cross. After, you know, all the bullshit she's been pulling with uh, Johnny Gargano ruining their family or whatever. And uh, she's going to go ask Regal for a match with her next week so that she can't run away. Solid. Solid solid excuse. Just have a match. Uh, Then we get a Shayna Baszler interview while she's hanging out with her, uh, her two... Buddies from the Four Horsewomen. Uh, Kathy Kelly is interviewing them while they're hanging out on a couch. And Kathy asks about uh, being concerned about Kyrie Sane invoking her rematch clause after losing the belt. She doesn't care. But it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, well, she could be scared of Kyrie Sane. She already beat her. And the important story here is that she is the first ever two time. NXT Women's Champion. So, suck on that. Except Regal shows up and goes, uh, yeah, funny you mentioned the the rematch clause then, because Kyrie is, in fact, using her rematch at NXT TakeOver War Games. And it's going to be a two out of three falls match. Which is the big match of NXT, or or at least it used to be. So, should be good. I assume it's gonna end up being a uh, a two to one decision here. I don't really expect Shayna to actually, you know, just shut her out. That would be a bummer. After that, we have a women's division match between Dakota Kai and Tenara Conti. Kodakai being one of my favorite ladies in NXT. She's also competing in NXT UK. Which I have not really had a chance to like really sit down and follow along with NXT UK because running this website and making sure to get in everything about Raw and SmackDown is very time consuming. And adding an extra hour to my weekly grind when it's just, you know, me doing this solo, not really easy. And also, considering I need to also cover New Japan stuff on our our premium podcast. It's a lot, it's a lot of wrestling. Can't, can't cover it all. But maybe at some point, if I get more staff, we'll be able to cover that show more. It, it's a hope in the future that we'll be covering NXT UK, because from what I hear, it's pretty good. You got Tony Storm there, they got Pete Dunne. Uh, Zach Gibson's there, and no one likes Zach, Zach Gibson. Like, if it wouldn't throw up the, you know, the format of the video podcast, I'd stand up. That's how much I don't like him. 
But yeah, we had Dakota Kai and Tainara Conti. Uh, Tainara Conti, uh, if you remember her from the Mae Young Classic and how she qualified to get into it, she's got a bit of a really mean streak, and she screams a lot and don't like her. Very mean. She's she could, she's very mean to Dakota Kai in this match, and I don't approve. Because uh, the story is that she attacks Dakota Kai's uh, right hand and wrist and just mess it up first on the top rope and then start bending it and stomping on it. And Dakota does a great job selling here. It looks brutal as hell. But finally, uh, Kai gets the advantage, gets into doing her kicks because, if you don't know, she's the leader of Team Kick. She does the running kicks in the corner. Then the finish is really cool because uh, she did a uh, she flips over Tenara and hits an inverted backstabber, and it's fast and looks amazing. This should absolutely be her finisher going forward. It was really flashy and looked really good. That was the decision maker there. Uh, she picked up the win, and what's good is that after the match, she was still selling the hand and wrist really well. Like, you know, she's getting her one heart to raise, but the other one's still, you know, trying to shake out the feeling. It still hurts a lot. Excellent stuff. Dakota Kai continues to be a great asset to NXT. And Arakanti's still real mean. Not, I don't like her. Don't like her one bit. But, speaking of the Mae Young Classic, we have an interview with Mia Yim, who was a uh, a big-time competitor in the Mae Young Classic. She did very well, did not get to the finals. But what she did come away with is a contract with the WWE. And that was the, uh, the focus of the interview, where she was talking about how she's excited to, you know, work in the Performance Center, compete with, and train with the best in the world, not, not Shane McMahon, and really test herself. And as she was going, uh, Bianca Belair just walks into the scene, not giving a shit. And she's like, yeah, what, why, is, why are you interviewing her when I'm here and I'm undefeated? Which, you know, can't can't blame her. She's not wrong. She is undefeated. But come on, Mia Yim. Big, big signee here. Uh, Yim's response is that she says that the EST hasn't beaten the HBIC. Which, uh... She had to clarify because that could mean a couple things. But she said, head baddie in charge. Um, I guess you can't say bitch on NXT, but you sure can on SmackDown. Since uh, since Becky Lynch called Ronda Rousey her bitch. She keeps doing that a lot lately. Bitch seems to be uh, Becky Lynch's keyword. And I think it's a babyface move. I don't care what anyone says. Using foul language on a PG show... Top-tier babyface move. But yeah. So Mia Yim said this, and uh, Bianca Belair's response is that she just scoffed and said, yeah, okay, and, and left. So we'll get those two, I believe, next week. Which should be an excellent match. Both those women are very good in the ring. I like how they set it up here. After that, we get a hype video for the War Games match between the Undisputed Era and uh, Ricochet, Pete Dunne, and the War Raiders. And it makes sense the War Raiders were in the War Games match, starting their name. But yeah, this video is excellent, and I am so excited for some War Games. Fans of, of and listeners of this show know 
I love me some war games. It's my favorite match type. I want to go see one in person one day. Could not get the funds to travel all the way across the country for this one. But one day. Gonna see that gonna see that war games. And this will make a traditional four and four one. It'll be fun. Can't wait. It's a shame though that uh William Regal later in the show announced that there would be a singles match next week between a member of each team to determine who gets the advantage. Because normally in a war games match, there's a coin toss to determine that. And the heels always win, of course. But I like the coin toss. It's gonna be, it's, it, but I I get it. I get not having it. It's 2018. It's a weird thing to do. But I still hope that the uh, the heels pick up this win, probably by cheating. It's gonna be good. War games, top tier match, and everyone involved in this one's gonna be great. Then we get a Johnny Gargano selfie video where he's hanging outside. Full sail at nighttime. It's weird. Uh, essentially, the gist of this one is that Johnny thinks that he's the hero. Like, people are just freaking out because he you know, did some bad things, but to get anywhere in NXT, sometimes you gotta do some things that are perceived as evil. But, you know, he still thinks he's the good guy. He's in the right... He, He's doing the right thing, despite what anyone thinks. And, uh... At the end, he sits down on the ground and points out that he's in the same spot where he took out Alistair Black. And he's not scared of him. And he's gonna he's gonna beat him. At the, at the, at the War Games Pay Review. And I... really enjoyed this. Because that's the thing about really good villains is that they don't perceive themselves to be the villain. They they think they're the hero of the story. And what and they, you know, have justification for their actions. It's not just, oh, because I'm evil one where they got the bad the bad guys. Or I'm the I'm the bad guy and we take out the good guys. It's, you know, he thinks he's in the right. He thinks he's the, the same Johnny Gargano that he's always been. Except no, he's been corrupted. He's just too stupid to, to say it. That he's letting the evil consume him. And hopefully, Alistair beats the shit out of him and knocks some sense into Johnny. Because this dark Johnny Gargano is not good, especially when he's such a great babyface. But this match will be an excellent one. I'm curious to see how they go about it. I'm assuming Alistair's going to get his revenge. I already mentioned the William Regal announcement about the War Games. Then we have the main event. Between Lars Sullivan and the Velveteen Dream. Uh, Dream is wearing a sparkly robe and a sailing hat as he comes out to the ring. And don't know why, but I'm into it. I, I, I don't know why he's got the hat. I Who knows? He can't explain anything about Voting Dream, really. But uh, during Lars Sullivan's entrance, I start to really notice the screams in his entrance. In his interest team, like I thought before that it was just someone in the crowd screaming that Lars was here, but no, it's part of his music, and it's really upsetting, like very unnerving. The screams and with the timing of the music and how his entrance all goes, it's oh boy, it's a lot. Lars Sullivan's great, but it's a lot. So let's get into the match. Uh, from the from the moment the bell rings, Lars is just annihilating Dream, like ramming him in the corner and all that. Uh, Dream tries uh, slamming Lars into the steps on the outside to slow him down, but it doesn't work because Lars is a big scary monster. And instead, Lars 
throws Dream up into the air and he lands like with his midsection hitting the ring apron and it looks bad. Like, Dream is getting bullied here. Uh, it's really upsetting, uh, but Dream just won't give up. No matter what Lars does, he ain't gonna stay down for that three count. But, uh, as he was trying, like, to get his momentum back, Lars throws Dream so hard into the corner that he, like, does a backflip over the top and spills out to the floor. With his eyes kind of rolling into the back of his head on ringside. It looks really... It was really good selling by Dream. Dream is... It was top-notch in this match. He looked like he died multiple times. He got back in the ring somehow before the count, though. And, uh... Then Dream starts getting some offense back in with doing some drop kicks, including uh, one off the top rope, which finally takes Lars down off his feet. Dream goes for the pin. One. Two. Nope. Lars ain't gonna kick. Lars kicks out. He ain't going down that easily. Dream then does a really stupid thing where he tries to pick up Lars. Because... And need I remind you, Lars Sullivan, very large, scary man. Dream, he he's kind of cut, but he ain't gonna lift that much weight. So that doesn't work, and, uh... What happens is that uh, Lars hits a really devastating power slam. For two! Because Dream's got that heart and that fighting spirit, and he ain't going down! Dream starts to get some momentum, but then Tommaso Ciampa shows up at ringside. And while Dream's on the top rope, instead of just continuing to attack Lars, he jumps out to the floor and takes out Ciampa. After that, he gets back in the ring, and wouldn't you know it, Lars had enough time to recover, hits the freak accident, and pins Velveteen Dream. Whoops. So Ciampa is all happy because his opponent got laid out by the big scary monster. Not sure why they didn't just add Lars to the match at this point. Since he beat the number one contender. But I guess he had would have had to beat the champion to get added because that's WWE logic or whatever. So, yeah. After that, uh, after Lars goes away, celebrating his victory, we have Chompa get into the ring, yelling at Dream while he's down that, you know, he's not out in his league, he's not going to share the main event in the spotlight with Dream because he doesn't deserve it. Um... Uh, but then Dream gets in a shot and takes down Ciampa, but then all the referees are in there and stop him and pull him away. So Dream's getting pulled off to the up the ramp, but he's like, actually, no, I'm going to get through, get to the top rope, and hits the purple remaker elbow. Holds up the belt. Crowd's cheering loud for this. And that's the scene we go off of NXT with. Which is real bad, because that clearly means that he's not winning that. He's not winning. He's not winning the title. That's It's just wrestling logic. If you, whoever ends the show with advantage heading into the pay-per-view, you ain't winning. But we still have another week, so we'll have to see how it goes. Maybe something will happen next week. I doubt it, but... Whatever. But, that should do it for NXT, and that should do it for Heel Turn! Which is a production of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's dot cool. 
We do this podcast live every Wednesday around 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozenonline. So make sure you follow there, get notifications when we go live. I, I want to stream some more video games, but, you know, it's been busy. Hopefully I get some get back into streaming games on, on the channel as well, but you can't, it is consistent that every week, except for last week, don't worry about it, uh, we, we stream this sucker live, so check that out. Um, if you want to support the website, you can go to patreon.cool. That, that will take you to our Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can get all the show notes for Heel Turn. And if you want to bump it up, you want to go, like, really help us out, you want to give us a network subscription's worth of support with a nine ninety nine. you get a bonus podcast every month, which is with my pal Trace, live from New Japan, Seattle. And uh, we cover New Japan stuff on there. So... This week, or this month, we're going to cover Power Struggle and where things are heading to Wrestle Kingdom. I'm guessing next month, for December, will be our big pre-Wrestle Kingdom show, where we'll have our predictions in and all that. That should be fun. So, to get all that Japanese goodness, please help support the site, because it is not easy to run a wrestling site, especially when... Mostly by yourself. So thank you in advance for that. Again, you know, even a dollar a month helps us out huge. Thank you very much for all you guys do for us. Uh, If you want to follow us on social... Well, you know, if you want to check out the actual website, it's prowrestling.cool. That's the actual URL. Help. If we we can get patreon.cool, we can get prowrestling.cool. We got all the coolest URLs. But there we track win-loss stats, still figuring out how to do our weekly write-ups for WWE. Our pal uh, Mike's been busy, so not. hopefully we'll get the hot takes coming back at some point there. So just keep, just keep tuned to the website. The podcast also goes up there. Uh, but on the social media, if you want to follow us on social media... Facebook, search for ProWrestling.Cool or go to Facebook.com slash PWDOTC. On Twitter, it's at PWDOTC or at The Heel Turn. We are, we, the, at The Heel Turn will tell you when the show goes live every week. It's, it's, it's handy. The other one is all our articles and stuff. We're figuring out the whole Twitter thing. It's fine. But if you want to follow me individually on Twitter, I am at the underscore ozone. So if you if you want to check it out, appreciate it. Thanks for the follows, good people. But yeah, that's it. That's it for Hill Turn. We'll be back next week with another episode. And uh, the thing is about next week is that it's going to be our Survivor Series and NXT Takeover War Games predictions. So should be a bit of a more lengthy episode, hopefully, unless you know nothing important happens on the weekly TV and we just skip over that. But I doubt that's gonna happen. Wrestling is great, everyone. It's gonna be a big week next week. But yeah, that's it. Uh, next week, Wednesday, 9:30 p.m. on Twitch. You, you know, you know all that. And on till then. This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.